Hello, welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different states who are excited to talk to each other and also to learn and grow alongside of each of you. Uh, My name is Megan. I'm Kristen. And I'm Lauren. Hey guys. Hi. Hello. (laughs) And thank you listeners for being here with us today. Today we are going to discuss a topic of miscarriage, and that is a topic that may be taboo to some and just a topic that can get uncomfortable and that some people don't want to talk about. Um, But today our intent really is just to build a community and a safe place for us to come together for those that do want to talk about it and just kind of normalize the topic. And also just to let others know that they're not alone if they've gone through this or know somebody that has. Yeah, we're just going to share our personal stories when it comes to this. We also... Um, reached out to some close friends of ours who were graciously shared their stories around the subject. And so we'll um, share a little bit of their what they shared with you guys because I think it's some really helpful stuff. And really, just by the end of this episode, we hope that you walk away from it just loving yourselves even more and that in you know, a weird way you can even feel inspired and also just, just to lose the judgment of ourselves. And so, yeah, so let's get into it. And I think too, um, really learning about how everyone grieves differently and that's okay, you know, and diving into, you know, grief. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like anything else in life. It's one of those where, you know, it's not a one size fits all. And it is something that you definitely grieve. And, and also I just want to be inclusive too of those. There might be listeners out there or people who go through this experience and they actually would rather not discuss it with anybody and just kind of grieve privately or deal with it privately. Or maybe they didn't even feel much grief around it. And that is completely okay too. So we are just an inclusive place here, guys. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It just kind of, like Lauren said and Kristen said, creating that space where we can kind of tell you our experiences and then also just learn a little bit as well. Everybody's different. So even just asking somebody when they're going through something hard, how they would like us to support them. So yeah, but Lauren, get started as far as if you don't mind sharing your miscarriage stories, just so we can kind of learn a little bit from your experience. Yes, I am happy to share and please just chime in with any questions because I am one of those that I am an open book and it um, even helps me to this day to still talk about it and I don't mind sharing the details. And so, yeah, so I have experienced two miscarriages. One was back in the beginning of 2014 and our son was two years old and they, I'm trying to think. And then the second one actually, so let me back up. The first one was in 2014. My reaction to that is I actually wanted to stop trying for a little bit after I miscarried then. So we stopped trying for, I think about nine months. I just, my mind just wasn't there. And then we started trying 
for a few months again and nothing happened. And then that's when we found out that we were going to move across the world to China. And so we stopped for a little bit and then we tried for about four years and nothing happened. And then earlier this year, to our surprise, when we moved back, shortly after we moved back, we found out that I was pregnant and we were so excited. It was very unexpected. And then I had our second miscarriage earlier this year. And so it was um, this this most recent one, it was just kind of crazy because it's I felt like spiritually I had gotten to a place where I had accepted that, you know, the of the idea of maybe we were done growing our family. And so when the surprise came, it was just like, wow. And then when it was gone, it was just as much shock, like, wow, you know, and it's, it's only natural to start asking the why questions and all that, which we can get into. But, um, so that's kind of a brief summary of the two that I've experienced. They both like physically were completely different experiences and I found out two completely different ways. So, what questions do y'all have for me? And I'll give you more. <laughs> yeah. So um, I one question that I was curious about is what do you wish you knew before you experienced uh, your miscarriages? Is there anything that you kind of wish somebody had told you? I know you can never be fully prepared for something like this, but any kind of thing you wish you would have known would be interesting to hear. Yeah, that's a good question. And like you said, I think this is one of those life experiences that until you live it yourself, it's just hard to 100% understand. And it's also even even if you do know a lot about the subject, it's still you just never know how you're going to react or handle the situation, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is maybe just the, with my first experience, the physical pain and how long the process was going to last. And since I've had a second one in the, which was totally almost opposite, um, just knowing like how different each, each experience can be. But with my first one, I think I was just in shock because I was not expecting just the pain, the physical pain. And then and then I bled, my HCG levels were so high that I actually bled for a full eight weeks. And that meant that I was going in on a weekly basis to get blood work done. It also meant that I was wearing one of those gigantic diaper pads for a full eight weeks, which was brutal. Yes. And even the doctor was, she wasn't that surprised based on how, um, how high my HCG levels were. Uh, how long I bled, but she didn't think it would last that long. So she actually was getting concerned towards the end, but then everything ended up fine. Um, so yeah. And then with the second, so that's one thing that would have been nice to kind of know beforehand is just the possibilities, I guess, surrounding it. And then the other thing too, is just about maybe it would have been nice to know, which I don't even know if anybody could have like told me this, but maybe just the awareness of, Hey, your spouse might grieve completely different than you. And, you know, and just giving yourself the grace and your spouse the grace around the whole situation and knowing that however you grieve, it's okay. And just to talk about it in whatever ways that you want to talk about it. So I guess just in general, having that awareness. Yeah. I feel like too, was it helpful to know how common it is? Because I feel like a lot of people don't realize how common it is. 
Yes. And I think we actually reached out to our gynecologist, both Megan and I use the same one and she is amazing. If you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, her name's Dr. Holt and she's just a godsend to us. But anyway, uh, at the later in the episode, we'll actually read kind of a, she was sweet and sent us a note, just kind of a general note of miscarriages. And I think there's some statistics in there. And I feel like I've heard all different stats from different doctors, but the most recent one is we are actually currently seeing a fertility doctor for the first time. And he said that solely based on my age, and I'm 38, that regardless of everything else, that 50% of pregnancies will end in a miscarriage in the first trimester. And that's just based on age. So I thought that was actually kind of crazy. Yeah, that is nuts. Yeah. But miscarriages in general, I don't want to misspeak on the current stats, but yes, I mean, they're so, so common. And that's just why it's, you know, crazy that I know people are starting to talk about it more, but even, even me, somebody who's open, like I had a handful of friends or a lot of people that I knew that had had miscarriages and we talked about it kind of on a surface level, but we had never gotten into the details, which I guess, you know, some people might not want to get into, but sometimes it is nice to hear the details. Yeah, I agree. I, this is Megan. I haven't had a miscarriage, but I've had lots of friends that have obviously with that statistic, it makes sense. And I never personally know how to handle it. You know, I just always say I'm so sorry and hope that, you know, if I send them flowers or something along those lines or a small gift, maybe it'll provide some comfort. But I think it is good to talk about even for people, especially for people who have had them, but also people who haven't. So you can kind of understand what that person's going through a little bit and maybe be of any support that you can. The other question I was going to ask you, Lauren, was with you talked about your HCG levels being really high and you bled for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. One thing I've heard some of my friends talk about is just the hormones. They didn't realize just kind of similar when you're pregnant and after you have a baby, it's almost like you, I mean, you did, you had a baby. Mm-hmm. And so those eight weeks after or further, like how was there a lot of hormonal ups and downs that you went through? Yeah, again, I think this is just different for everyone. It's, I think, every single story, even even between my two stories and those ma- those ladies that have had even more than two, I think each experience is just so completely different. But for me, it definitely I – re- I was so grateful that Dr. Holt on the first one, she – did, she kind of did go into detail of what was to come and what to to expect. And I was grateful for that because I just was so clueless. And I remember having days of just this anger where I didn't even know why. I thought I had kind of accepted the whole miscarriage, but then it's like I still just had anger. And then I just basically there were days where I felt crazy where I was just PMSing so hard. (laughs) And so it was nice to just kind of have validation. Like, you know, the doctor's like, look, your hormones are all over the place right now. And it is very similar to giving birth. And so you just have to be patient with yourself and, you know, give yourself that grace and love. What was the hardest part for you? Like, um, I, you know, I feel like I've heard like, some couples they've been trying for years and they wanted this baby so bad and they've been working on it so hard and then they finally have get pregnant and then they lose it. And then, you know, I just feel like everyone has their own story. Like what was the hardest part 
for you and Chris? Well, I think I'll speak to the first time first, if I can go back that far. So I think that just my, I think attitude in life in general is I, I trust the bigger picture so much so that I don't stay in the why for very long. I think it's only natural to be like, well, for I'm jumping back and forth, but I know for this one, for example, earlier this year, the day that it was happening, I was just kind of like, God, you know, I thought I had finally come to peace with, you know, being done with our family. And then I, here's this surprise pregnancy. And then now it's gone. Like, what, what is the point of this really? You know? So my mind did go there, but I just don't let myself stay in that place very long. Um, and with both of them, I just wanted to choose to not be held down by, a spirit of, you know, discouragement and grief. And so I think the hardest part of it was probably just in those initial days of, you know, sitting in that grief and sadness. And it's like, even if you trust that, you know, and actually this kind of leads into what people, you know, could or couldn't say that might feel good or not good. <laughs> um, yes. That was like one of my main questions. It's like, how yeah. So support? yeah. And I think just in life in general, it's so important for us to just assume the best in people. And in this situation, it's like, you know, people are coming from a, from a place of love. And so it's nothing, you know, it's nothing against these people, but you know, you get the comments of, you know, this is all in God's plan or, you know, your body um, you know, knew that, that something was wrong with this baby. And so it, it, you know, is a miracle that your body took care of itself and whatever the comments are, you know, like at least you, at least you have one healthy child or whatever they are. And they all are coming from such a good place. And, you know, most of it is very true, but in those initial first hours and days and moments, it's, um, back to your question, Kristen, I think those were just the hardest times for me anyway, to just be sitting in that pain and physically and emotionally. And, um, and then, you know, like this one with it being a surprise, we weren't trying. And it was like, we got so excited and we made the choice to tell our son and he was so excited and he's old enough now to, you know, he understands what's going on. And, And so I think it was just that disappointment, like seeing my husband and son so excited and then to lose that, you know, unexpectedly, it's just like, oh, such a downer. But, um, but yeah, so I think that was the hardest part. Was there, so in those moments, was there anything you wish people would have said differently or just kind of like in the beginning, maybe just saying like, I'm so sorry. And then, yeah, I think with. You know, I have, unfortunately, I have a couple of friends who have lost, um, have lost their babies like full term. And I think, and I've, and I've talked to uh, both of them too. And I feel like in situations like these, it's kind of similar. And I think the best thing that you can do in those initial days is, is like what you said, Megan, is just, I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'm so sorry for your pain. And even to not be afraid to ask questions like how I want to be there for you. I want to support you. And how can I best do that? You know, like, can I bring you your favorite coffee? Do you need to be left alone for a week? You know, like everybody's so different. And 
I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I would totally appreciate somebody asking me, you know, how can I, what is the best way that I can support you? And I would be more than willing to say, Hey, you know, actually here's, here's what would feel really good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I remember, Oh, sorry, Megan. I remember, um, when it first happened, I just was, I was scared. I I didn't know what to do or say. And so I think I do what it did. What a lot of people do is just do nothing, you know? And I, I feel bad for that. And I hope that, uh, did it hurt you? You know, but I think people just are scared because they're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know, so they'll just do nothing instead. But so, and I think what you're saying is like, you would have liked to been asked, like, how can I be there for you? And it's kind of reminds me of like the love languages, like everybody shows love in different ways and receives loves in different way. And I think it's the same thing with grief. Um, And I think it's powerful to ask people like, you know, we do that with love languages. How do you feel loved? Well, how do you want to be feel supported during, you know, during grief? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes really good sense. And I think that when it comes to miscarriage or death or anything, Kristen, you touched a good point. It's, I think it's just human nature that we don't like to face the uncomfortable and the hard. And so it's so easy to, when somebody's going through this or facing something hard, it's, you don't know what to say. And so we tend to just, like you said, say nothing at all. And I think, I mean, I think every, the person going through it, you, you recognize that. But if, if I was hurt by it, especially by you, Kristen, I would have said, Hey, I'm really needing support. Don't run away from me. You know, I think it goes both ways. It's like, just yeah, communicate, communicate. Yeah. I think you can't have expectations on either side. But I do think it is harder to ask somebody what they need when they are grieving because then, or at least for me, because I'm like, oh man, they're already going through this. And then I'm asking them to tell me how to support them. And I think, Lauren, you're really good at telling people what you need, but I think a lot of people aren't. Um, I know I'm not. Sometimes I don't even know what I need. Um, So I don't know. I guess just talking about it is good. And then for me, I just, you know, like I said, tell them how much I love them and how sorry I am and um, maybe send something to let them know you're thinking of them and maybe still ask. I don't know. I'm just kind of no thinking Megan, out loud. I, yeah, no, you're totally right. And even though I am somebody who I'm not afraid, if somebody asks what I need, I'm not afraid to tell them. But at the same time, you're right. Like, you know, when I think about when Kai was in the NICU for three months, And I think in any situation, if you are feeling some, if you're feeling like you're wanting to do something, my advice would be to just do it. Don't, don't say like, oh, can I bring you a meal one night? Don't ask, just, just do it. You know, drop it off at the front porch or whatever. Um, I think I was more, I was more kind of touching on more of like an emotional support versus like, you know, doing or saying things. Um, But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, especially when somebody's going through grief or something traumatic, you know, I think that would be really good advice is like, don't, don't ask, just do, you know, as long as you're not being a burden, like, yeah, do whatever you want to (laughs) do. They will appreciate it for sure. Yes. I did have another question to get back to kind of the actual miscarriage part of it that I forgot to ask. 
I think one thing that I've heard from my friends with asking their stories is just how painful physically it was. And you said that too. So I just wanted to touch on that again, because I honestly did not know that. Like bef- Because I haven't had a miscarriage when I thought of one. I just thought it was like, oh, period cramps. And then you lose some extra tissue, at least when it's really early on, I'm talking about. Obviously, later on, I knew that would be super painful and basically yeah. giving birth. But yeah. I think one thing I didn't realize was how painful it is even at like six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I just think that's something we need to make it aware to everybody if they're going yeah. to have one. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe people shouldn't know <laughs> that it's going to be painful, but like on a scale from one to 10, like how painful was it for you? Well, it was two totally different. So I'll just share my experiences. And like I said before, I think every single one is different, but for my first one, um, the, when, so that basically I miscarried both times in my first trimester. And so I had three options. I could choose to pass it naturally. I could take pills where they, um, you, you put them in you and then it basically forces essentially labor. So, um, you know, when it's coming, And then the third option is to do the DNC surgery. And so for my first one, I chose the option to pass it naturally. And the doctor kind of gave me a little bit of what to expect. And the time frame, you know, is different for everyone. I think mine ended up happening a few days after I left the doctor that day. And it, um, there was no denying that it was what it was when it came in the physical pain. I mean, it was, I would say it's up there. I mean, it was a nine or a 10. I said, I think I would say, um, I was literally like crawling from my bed to the toilet for hours on end and mm. it was not fun. And, uh, but with the second one that earlier this year, I, it came quick. I was actually making breakfast for my son before school and I just started, it was more of like maybe the intensity of a bad period cramp. Um, and it just came suddenly. I didn't, I did not know I was miscarrying this time. And, uh, I just had this feeling as soon as it happened, I was like, Oh no. And I went to the restroom and sure enough, um, instead of my first time I was, I just spotted a little bit. And then this time it just kind of came full on very fast. So I went to the restroom. I knew exactly what was happening. I didn't want my son to, to, you know, worry about me or anything. So I finished getting him ready for school, got him in the car, drove him to school. And then, wow, yes, I got home. So obviously I wasn't in, you know, and you know, enough pain to not drive, but I held it together, drove him to school and then just cried the whole way home. Cause I knew it was happening. And then I was in pretty miserable pain for, I called the doctor when I get, got home, they wanted me to come in. So my husband met me there and that day, I would say the physical pain lasted just a few hours. Whereas the first time it was much more painful for a lot longer. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, of course. So if, if y'all want to ask me anything more about mine, I'm I happy had, to share or we oh, go ahead. I think I had one more question. Yeah. Um, just kind of curious because I know everybody, like we talked about, grieves differently. For you specifically, what during it or right after, like does it help to talk about it? Like even now, is it helpful for you to move forward? Um, to tell people what happened? Just because 
for people who have had it, if they haven't talked about it, do you think that is something that I guess everybody's different, but do you think it would be helpful, at least for your personality? Was it helpful to talk about? Yeah, I don't mind talking about it. And it's funny because as open as I am, we I was just thinking about with you guys who I'm so close to, obviously. And it's one of those where, you know, I didn't want you don't want, I didn't want to burden anybody and tell you every last gory detail unless you asked me. And so for me, writing has always been very therapeutic and that's just kind of my go-to. And so in both instances, I, in fact, on the first one, I, um, just to distract my mind from the pain, I was literally like crawling to the toilet and then I'd get back in bed and I'd sit there and write on my computer and basically just a journal entry to myself. And then I'd, throw the computer down, crawl back to the toilet. And I was doing that in between. But I, oh I also, gosh. yeah, I also wrote um, the second time too. And that's just really therapeutic for myself just to kind of process my emotions and just work through them. And then that's how I'm able to kind of step out and move forward. Um, but for me personally, I do enjoy talking about the hard and it does kind of, it is kind of healing and therapeutic and, you know, most of the time, whenever, let's just say in a, in a crowd of 10 girls, if we were talking about it, you know, probably almost half of them might be like, you know what, I've gone through that too. And then you kind of get to hear other people's stories and, and just like our intent for this of sharing is to let others know that they're just not alone and they don't have to suffer in silence if they don't want to. So yeah, I, I love to, I don't mind at all talking about my experiences with if if i if i knew that that would help somebody else absolutely got love it. it love yeah. it <laughs> i for i yeah i think my for me i my favorite thing is to not feel alone and i think too i like when people ask me questions i know obviously i'm not that's not everyone but um like it, when i'm going through something hard or some kind of grief i like when people are like you know how are you like and ask me the questions if you know yeah no, I know what you mean. I'm the I'm the exact same way. And what makes me laugh though is just how different. So my husband, anything traumatic or hard, we are like total opposites. And I don't know if it's a male fem- female thing or just personality, but probably a little bit of both. But he is the complete opposite and he's like he cannot even, for example, I, I think I've shared on a previous episode and we'll talk about it more later, but our son was born one pound, 13 ounces. He was in the NICU for 94 days. The first couple of years of his life were, were not easy. Um, and I, even to this day, I absolutely love, and I'm so passionate about looking back on that. And I probably cry more tears these days when I do talk about it, but they're like grateful tears. Cause it's just amazing to look back at everything that he went through. Um, yeah. but anyway, my husband, I cannot talk to my husband about it cause he like physically hurts even Aww. thinking, yeah, thinking about it. And he's like, I just cannot, he can't bear the pain. So talking about it for him is, is just not on the cards. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, what I was going to say. I feel like I have friends on both sides. Some really, they just need to talk it through. And some are like, I'm good on my own. Like I just need to be by myself. Yeah. And that's totally okay too. I, yeah. I mean, I respect that. In fact, um, I don't know if we want to get into our friends stories yet, but you just remind, okay. Well, Megan, you just reminded me about one of, um, one of our friends who shared her story and 
um, I won't read the whole thing, but she kind of touched on how at the time she didn't really have any close friends that had gone through that experience, at least that she knew of. However, she did know that her sister-in-law had um, experienced this and they had never discussed it. And so she reached out to her mother-in-law to see if, you know, her daughter would be willing to talk about um, her experience just so this person could ask questions and just feel not alone. And the, her sister-in-law basically said, you know, that's just something that you and your husband are going to have to go through and, and, and deal with because everybody's different. And she wasn't willing to discuss anything, her experience or ask questions to, to this person. And so I think that just kind of, uh, goes along with what you were saying, Megan, that there certainly are people out there and personalities out there that would just prefer to not discuss it. And that's totally okay. Yeah. Do you want to get into more of her story? Do you have anything to share on hers or do you want me to? Yeah. Why don't you start and then I'll. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, So yeah, we just wanted and thank you for our friends who are willing to share some stories. We just kind of thought it would be um, good to tell some different perspectives. And it was really eye opening to read more detail about some of my friends experiences. Um, A lot of things I didn't even know about. Um, So yeah, I'll just share bits and pieces from one of my friends stories that I thought could be helpful uh, for other people. Um, So basically, she said before she went through her miscarriage, she would comfort she had comforted many of her friends that were going through a miscarriage in the past and she would always think about them, but she'd quickly kind of move on and forget to check on them afterwards. Um, But once she had her own miscarriage, she soon realized that the term loss was definitely an understatement. Um, She said she carried the baby inside of her. She felt like her mommy or his or her mommy already. And you lose that child, whether you carried them for two days or nine months, this was your baby and you lost them. Um, and you must take the time to grieve this precious life or were some of the words she said, um, something else she mentioned that I thought was good to, to bring up is, you know, everybody, we've said this time and time again already today, everybody kind of deals with grief differently. And I think for some women, they don't like hearing this, but for her, when her doctor said that the baby wouldn't have made it to the second trimester, it actually gave her comfort. Um, and she did mention that she knows other moms that that statement did not give them comfort. They actually like hated hearing that. So it is interesting that, you know, we all kind of take things different ways. Um, but yeah, she kind of took comfort in knowing that her body kind of knew that this just wasn't right. Um, and you know, although it didn't make the loss any easier. Um, she did just say everyone finds comfort in different things. And I totally agreed with her. Um, and she just has such a big heart and it's kind of one of those things that baby will always be a part of them. And now she has, she has two healthy babies now. So that's really awesome. But, um, yeah, that was her story. Oh, Megan, what about the, you brought up earlier, a bracelet. I thought that was such a good idea. Can you share? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing, cause I didn't really know how to handle, um, friends going through miscarriages. I, you know, just was looking up gifts that you could give. Obviously flowers is a big one. Um, but I'm not a huge flower person. So I was just trying to see if there was anything else. And I found this bracelet on Etsy. Etsy's always a great tool, like 
tool resource, for neat yeah. gifts. Yeah, resource is a better word. Um, but anyways, I found this bracelet on there and it was actually Morse code for until we meet again is what the bracelet says. And so if you are looking for a gift for somebody that's gone through a miscarriage or any sort of loss, I think it would you can just Google on Etsy, I think, or just search on Etsy for Morse code until we meet yeah. again bracelet. And Megan actually sent, it was so unexpected. I remember checking the mailbox and she sent, and I love the bracelet. I wear it all the time. And um, sadly, on another note, one of my great college friends passed away um, just a couple months ago. And so she kind of sent it uh, as both for my friend, Michelle, and um, and for the miscarriage too. And it was just so unexpected and sweet. So thank you so much. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I've sent it to um, a few friends who have gone through miscarriages too, because I just thought, um, what a neat thing you could wear and kind of look down and remind yourself. Because a lot of women that I talk to, they, more than anything, I think they just, when people ask like, how many kids do you have? You know, they always think about the the babies that they've miscarried too. And they want to say, instead of three, say five or whatever the number is. And so I just, you know, that bracelet's like a look down a reminder. You can think about the baby whenever yeah, you that's, want. That's so sweet. <laughs> that actually just reminded me, a girl I grew up with, um, she lost her baby actually at full term. Um, and it's, again, I'm Megan, I love that because I, I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. I'm so bad when it comes to, I don't know how to handle it. I'm bad with grief. I'm going to just say it. I'm terrible. And I don't know what to do. And this is actually really helpful for me. And thank you because it's really something I want to work on and get better at because um, I tend to shut down and I tend to, like I said earlier, not say anything because I'm scared and I'm just going to admit that and be aware of it and work on it. Um, but again, I my friend who I grew up with said something that was really helpful to me as well. She was like, uh, I think she was experiencing that, like people like turning away and not saying anything. And she put it out there like, hey, I want to talk about my baby. Um, yeah. I Ask me about him. You know, ask me everything. Say, because say his name. They, say Mama's his name. Wanting, yeah. She, yeah. That's what she said. Say his name. Tell, ask me, you know, all the questions, all the things. So I mm -hmm. thought that was super powerful. So, and um, yeah, I appreciate too. you, Kristen. I love just how vulnerable you are. And you sharing that you want to get better. But I think you've said it yourself before. It's like you we don't know what we don't know. And I think when it comes to miscarriage, it's just one of those things. It's like I know all of us have talked about like we'll come back. Like Megan, I remember after you had your first daughter and you were like, oh my gosh, Lauren, I'm so sorry that I wasn't like more of a support for you with a child. Like I just yes. didn't know. <laughs> it's like I and thought I knew. Yeah. I <laughs> and I think, I think miscarriage can be the same. It's like even – Kristen, if you or, or anybody, if they want to be supportive and they just don't know how sometimes like don't ever feel guilty, like your friends and family or whoever, like they know, they know that you love them and you know, there's no expectations there. It's just, it's just all about love. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'll share another friend of ours, uh, story. We, we aren't reading the whole things, but just kind of touching on, and she said, I remember the extreme emotions of a very steep roller coaster, the highs and lows, the happy tears and very sad tears. But ultimately what got me through this very unsettling time was that I had a close friend to lean on who had recently gone through this tough experience as well. She also relied on her faith and knowing that it wasn't God's plan for this baby to come into the world at this time. And during this time, 
She was also challenged in that she was on the brink of planning and hosting another, her best friend's uh, baby shower. And she says, talk about emotions all over the place. She was so happy and excited for her friend, but deep down, it was very hard to watch her and all of the excitement that fills around a first baby shower. I certainly... She, sorry, I'm going back and forth between first and third person, but <laughs> she certainly did not want to take anything away from her special moment. So she decided to keep quiet about what was going on with her and didn't share with anybody, including her best friend, about her miscarriage until later time. And then they, uh, she says, it's a continuous circle of happenings and hearing other stories that help you get through these hard times. She does still think about those babies. She miscarried twice. Those babies that were never born from time to time. And she had always pictured herself with three kids, but she is extremely blessed beyond that. They have two very healthy daughters. And she says that she does not take for granted one second. And I think that, um, that middle part where she brought up just her best friend's baby shower. And I think that they were originally due right around the same time. No, that wouldn't have made sense. No, but they weren't that far apart. So, um, they, yeah, she brings up a good point. Cause I feel yeah. like that happens quite often. Like friends will that, I just feel like that would be so hard, you know, to have a friend and get pregnant together, how like exciting that would be. And then, you know, to watch your friend go through the actual process. And then I, I, yeah, I just, yeah, I think it's a good example of, you know, just kind of where she talked herself into suffering in silence. And when in reality, I happen to know, um, you know, both of these people. And so I know that the mama who she was celebrating, um, would have, you know, she didn't have to suffer in silence if she didn't want to, but that was her choice. And obviously that's what felt right for her at the same time. But it is, it is, it's just a, a sticky, it's just a weird situation. Cause it, I can't imagine like going through all of those emotions and then, you know, also wanting to celebrate your best friend. Cause you are happy. And I know she was, you know, so genuinely happy. So yeah, it's just one of those situations where it's like, oh, you know, yeah, it, it breaks my heart. I know, me too. Well, that's why we're talking about it, just to create the conversation even more. And I think yeah, that, that's a powerful thing. Um, yeah, and one thing we haven't touched on that I think each story kind of told is right when it does happen, right when you find out, you're always wondering, like, did I do something wrong? And I've heard that from like every single mom that I've talked to. Yeah. And, and that makes me so sad because I'm like, no, you know, I'm like, definitely you did not do anything wrong. Yeah. I know that with um with our other friend, she said she said that. She said, you know, right away she was like, what? You know, how how is that possible? What her first thought was, what did I do wrong? Why? Are you a hundred percent sure? And if you are, you know, how did how did this happen? Did I did I work out too hard? Did I do this? And I think if there's one thing that I would love to, you know, if I could just magically put this into women's moms' heads that are going through this, it's like I, that's only human and natural to to just instantly ask why. But the reality is, is you did nothing to make this happen, and to just 
to just get rid of that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I wish I had a magic spell that I could just go boop and I put know, over the head and too. just be like, get out of your head now and just, you know, focus on, put your energy where it, you know, it's going to be positive and do good for yourself and do good for your mental health and your physical health and just get out of that space. So a lot easier said than done. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I kind of, Kristen, did you want to read Dr. Holt actually, uh, sent us over just, um, kind of a little summary about her. Obviously she's somebody who sees this on a daily basis and, you know, based on her patients and whatnot, you know, I think she, she's so good at just making you feel, I don't know, like you're her only patient really. So I know that she individualizes things based on that person, but she sent over just kind of her thoughts around the subject. And I thought it might be good to share just from a professional standpoint. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so this is coming from Dr. Holt. She says, Mis- miscarriages are hard, period. Statistically, 40% of women will miscarry at least once in their life, and some more than that. Regardless whether a miscarriage is in the first trimester or further along, there is little that compares to not only losing a baby, but losing the excitement of expanding your family. Explaining to people that you celebrated too soon or feeling somehow that you must have done something wrong and that the miscarriage has to be your fault. The truth of the matter is that the baby wasn't perfect and God calls home his little angels early when the timing isn't right. Your heart knows this, but sometimes it's harder to convince your mind of this. 40% is a big number, but the other statistic that needs to be known is that more than 90% of couples will go on to have a perfectly normal and healthy pregnancy in the future, and this statistic needs to be remembered. It makes me just got chills. (laughs) I know. I love that. I love how she, you know, ends it just with so much hope and that she also kind of touched on, you know, the truth of the matter is it's like when she said your mind or how did, how did you say it, Kristen? The, well, she was saying your heart knows, but it's harder to like teach your mind, convince your mind. And I just resonated with that so much because it's like in those initial hours of when you find out and, or when you're going through the miscarriage, it's, it's such like a mind struggle where it's like, you know, I know, I know this is meant to be, I know there's a bigger picture. I know there's a why, even if I'll never know what that why is, it's like, you know, all these things, but then it's like, at the same time, you're just, you're sad and you're disappointed and angry and all the emotions in once. So I love yeah, how Yeah. I must feel it. like we should just, if if I know someone, I'm going to just send them that, you know, I feel like we should even post it to our social media. Just if there is anyone out there going there, I think that's something everyone needs to hear if that's something they're going through. Absolutely. Very well said. Thank you, Dr. Holt. Holt. It's Dr. Catherine Holt, by the way, if anybody's in DFW and needs a gyno, she's amazing. She is great. I love her. Awesome. Thank you so, thank you so much for sharing Lauren. Oh my gosh. Yes. And if any listeners want to know more or have more questions, like I said, I am an open book. I love to talk to others. I love to help others. I love to support others. So feel free to reach out to us. Um, Yeah. And by no means are we 
you know, we say this every now and then, but we're not professionals of any kind. Gosh, no. um, we're just, <laughs> we're just know, everyday people, <laughs> everyday women that go through things and just want to share our experiences and hope it has, you know, resonates with somebody. So, yeah. And just makes you feel not alone. And yes, thanks, Megan. We are definitely no experts, but we're here for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So as you guys probably know by now that we love to end each episode with a challenge for ourselves during the week. And Megan, Kristen, and I, we hold each other accountable. And so it'd be fun if you guys joined us and get a group of your girlfriends or family or whatever and do the same. And so do we want to, Megan, why don't you recap our previous challenge? Yeah. So the last two challenges, the first one was to put away your phone for amount of time that you specify. So me personally, I wanted to do an hour in evening and just put my phone in a drawer. That way I'm fully present um, with my kids. And so luckily the holidays came right at the perfect time. I actually did not have my phone around me much at all last week. So I totally succeeded at this and loved it. (laughs) Um, So this... Yeah, this will week a little bit back to work. So I'm going to actually just continue on with this trend. And I think I might try to do like two hours a night. Not that I'm even on my phone for the whole night, but just putting it away completely because I'll just get little dings, you know, another email. Um, so yeah, that's going pretty well. And then the other, how is it going for y'all? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, definitely need to get better. I feel like with the holidays, it kind of threw in a kink. So I definitely am going to commit to doing that with this week's um, challenge. I almost said episode. Uh, So I'm going to do that. I didn't do a great job. I mean, my phone wasn't on me. Like you said, it was kind of easier with the holidays actually, because you're just out of schedule and all of that. But, um, but once we get back in town, we're about to leave for a week. But um, once we get back in town, I do want to add that as a double challenge. (laughs) I think my husband and I decided like for meals, especially too, we've decided to both put our phones away and just enjoy each other and talk about all the things. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, And then the other challenge that we got from Trevor last week was um, we put a post-it up on our bathroom mirror that says state story and strategy. And I've been loving it. I actually shared that with my sales team as well um, for them to do it if they wanted to. And uh, yeah, it's going good. Every day I look at it and I'm like, okay, what's my state of mind? Am I where my focus goes? My energy flows. Yes. <laughs> Such a dork. And then I'm like, okay, what's my story? Am I being the victor in my story? I'm like, yes. If I'm not, <laughs> I'm going to change it. And then the last one, I'm like strategy. Cause it always takes me a second to like, think about what the words mean. I'm like strategy. Yeah. Okay. What am I doing today to get to me to where I want to be? I'm like, well, I'm recording a podcast today. So that's pretty yes, girl. good. I love it. I love it. I also put, uh, maybe we'll post our, because we sent each other pictures of our little tags on the mirror, but I also, it's funny how like posting three words on your bathroom mirror can have such a powerful impact. It's kind of funny, <laughs> but like, I know you know, it really does though. It does. And so every morning when I'm, oops, sorry, when I'm brushing my teeth, I sit there and I think I have to think about it too. And it does, it changes my, um, it does, it just, it focuses my mindset for the day and it actually puts me in a good mood in a weird way. 
to start the day. So yeah, I'm loving it. So what are we going to do this week? Um, Okay. So what we were thinking was, well, okay, so you have to write a list of what you think society, like who you think society wants you to be. And then on the other side of of the list, you're going to have to write um, who you think you are. So like, or who you are. Um, and then and you're going to you cross to be. Yeah. And who you want to be. Thank you. And then what do we do, Lauren? We cross out the ones that don't align. So like any on the society side that don't align. Yeah. With who. Yeah. So I think it, all of us can relate to the idea of, you know, we wake up one day and we're like, are we who we want to be? Are we doing what we love to do? Are we being me? Cause there's only one of me. Um, And so, yeah, so that list under the society or family things, if any of those items under that list do not align with the things under your list, then just cross those babies out and either stop striving to be that or stop being that if you are. And the purpose of this is just to be you because that's the most gorgeous thing in the world. So, um, yes. Yeah. So let's do that. It should only take, and don't think too hard about it. Just write down whatever comes to mind quickly. It should just be like a few, maybe five, 10 minute thing. So not, not time consuming. Got it. We'll do it. Woohoo. Yay. All right, guys. Thank y'all so much. Yeah. Thank y'all. And Uh, listeners, thank you for sticking with us through an episode that might be uncomfortable. It's like we said in the beginning, it's not a fun subject to talk about, but I think we should talk about it. And thank you for being here with us and listening. If you're still listening (laughs) and um, we will talk to you guys next week. Yes, we will make it a great week. Make it a great week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.